Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, if you, hey, morning everybody, morning. If you surveyed a thousand pastors and asked them, who's the most relatable person in the entire Bible? a vast majority would come back with the same answer. It's a disciple named Peter. Peter was a passionate person. Really high highs and really low lows, and maybe it's because of those really low lows that sometimes these same preachers speak about Peter as if he's a joke or a punchline, which is disconcerting on a bunch of different levels. Here's one. On one hand, you tell me, man, if there's one guy you can relate to in the Bible, it's that Peter, he's a joke and a punchline, which is a problem. So over the last few weeks, I've been trying to explain to you and explain to me that really we can relate to Peter, but not because he's a joke or a punchline, but because just like Peter, you and me, we're imperfect people with tremendous purpose. Just like Peter, you're incredibly gifted. Just like Peter, you're not defined by your weakest moment. You're not defined by your biggest failure. You're not defined by your greatest regret. So over the last couple weeks, I've been talking about lessons that we could learn from Peter's lowlights. And today I want to talk about Peter's finest hour. And to do that, we're going to jump forward from John chapter 18 to John chapter 21. Incredible chapter, John chapter 21, by the way. To explain it to you, I want to read you the last two verses of John chapter 20. Okay? Last two, cha- last two verses of John chapter 20 say this. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Boom, the end. That's it. John wraps it up. End of gospel. No, you turn the page and there's John chapter 21. It's like a postscript, a P.S. One more thing. Reminds you of... Corinne and I had been dating for about eight months, and I went way up north in BC to tree plant to make money for my senior year of university. And the only way that we could really communicate was through letters. And I remember I was so stoked when I would get a letter from Corinne, and I would always take special interest if I would get to the bottom and there would be a P.S. Because here's what I knew. I knew that she had written me a letter, right? And then just before she was going to seal the letter and send it away, she thought, man, there's one more thing that I want Mike to know. Now, I want you to think about this. John's an old dude when he writes this. He's like 85 years old. He's the last living disciple of Jesus. John has read through Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, and Luke's gospel. And yet God inspired John to write this fourth and final gospel. Maybe fill in some gaps, you know, let us know what Jesus said and did, who Jesus is, but most importantly, that we would really know him. And so I just imagine 85-year-old John, and he finishes off John chapter 20, puts his pen down and says, well, I'm finally done. And then he thinks, wait a minute, there's just one more thing that you need to know. The events of John chapter 21 are only found in this one Gospel, not found in the other three Gospels. And yet, if you ask me, Mike, pick one chapter out of the Bible that really illustrates the Gospel. 
that really il illustrates mercy and grace and redemption. You know, I might just pick John chapter 21. So let's set the stage. At the Last Supper, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, I'm gonna be arrested, and when I'm arrested, you're gonna scatter, you guys are gonna desert me. And John interrupts Jesus and says, I won't, no way, I, I will be with you, Jesus, through thick and thin, I won't desert you. And Jesus says, actually, Peter, sorry, Peter, actually, before the rooster crows early tomorrow morning, you're going to deny three times you even know me. And Peter doubles down. He says, actually, I won't, Jesus. Even if I have to die, I will not deny you. Well, Jesus gets arrested, and Peter follows along, and we see that Peter actually denies Jesus three times. There's this powerful description in Luke chapter 22 that Peter denies Jesus for the third time. The rooster crows, and the eyes of Peter meet the eyes of Jesus from across the courtyard, and Luke says, Peter goes away and he weeps bitterly. And while Peter is weeping bitterly, Jesus is whipped, he's beaten, he's nailed to a Roman cross where he suffers and dies. On the third day, he rises again. Jesus is resurrected. Now between Jesus' resurrection and the events of John chapter 21, Jesus actually appears to his disciples, including Peter, two times. And yet, as John chapter 21 opens, we see that Peter is 120 kilometers from Jerusalem. Peter is going back to fishing, which is exactly what he was doing before he met Jesus in the first place. It seems kind of odd, right? Like, I'm sure Peter is delighted and overjoyed that Jesus is alive, that Jesus defeated sin and defeated de death and defeated despair and defeated the grave. And yet here's Peter, and he's back to fishing. So you think the problem that Peter's experiencing is this. He has absolutely no trouble at all believing in Jesus. Peter's issue in that moment, he can't fathom that Jesus still believes in him. So he's back to fishing. Kind of reminds me a little bit of stories that are playing out all over the place. If you're watching online and, or you're here in person, maybe that's your story a little bit. Like you got no problem believing in God, but you just can't fathom that God could believe in you. Like maybe there was an era of your life, middle school, high school, university, your teens, your 20s, your 30s, and looking back now, you did some things that maybe you shouldn't have done. You know, drugs, sex, booze, parties, whatever. And at the time, it was a lot of fun, but even then, you kind of knew deep down inside that you were created for more. And, and the challenge is now, like, that regret and that guilt, it follows you around everywhere. And, and, and you're, like, convinced that you're damaged goods, that God could never love someone like you. Or maybe your story is very different. You were raised in a religious church. Or maybe you weren't raised there, maybe you found a religious church in your teens or your 20s or your 30s, and you liked it because of the certainty, you know? They had a lot of rules and a lot of regulations. They had a lot of don'ts, don't do this and don't do that. 
but you started to look around in that church and you saw all these people and you saw no joy and no hope and no peace and no encouragement and no kindness. And so eventually you said, no thanks. And you walked away from that expression, that religious expression. I just want to call a quick time out. One of the things that bugs me just a little bit is when people come to me and they say, hey, Mike, what, what religion are you guys at Southside? Really, I, now, I, I'm not judging them, but that question just, oh, it, it just scares me because I, I, I want you to know that, that we are not religious. We sure aspire not to be religious. That's our deepest goal is that we're not religious. And I want to just give you a quick heads up. Next week, I want to kind of talk about five differences, five differences between Jesus and religion. I really want to set the record straight. Five differences between Jesus and religion. If you know somebody who is like far, 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 far from believing in Jesus, this would be the week to get them out, honestly. I want to talk about five differences between Jesus and religion. We're not about religion. We're about a relationship. But maybe at some point you walked away from that religious expression. But lately you've been feeling like when you closed your door on that, it was like you slammed the door in Jesus' face, and now his feelings are hurt, and he doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. Or maybe it wasn't a religious church. Maybe it was a church with a lot of joy and a lot of authenticity, you know? And there was somebody a lot like me standing on a stage a lot like this, and they talked a really good talk, but somewhere along the line, you found out that actually they didn't walk the walk. Like the stuff they said, they didn't live it. And so you walked away, and... For some reason, you've been thinking lately that, well, Jesus is looking at you going, will you walk away from me? Don't even think about coming back. See, I think we've all experienced that before, where we have this sense that, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe he is who he says he is. I, I believe that he is the more that I've been looking for, but I just can't fathom that he could believe in me. If that's what you're at, if, 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 if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling broken, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling estranged, if you're feeling like you wandered way off course, I want you to know something about me. You're one of the big reasons I wake up every morning. I consider it an incredibly massive privilege to have the opportunity to speak to you. I've been there. I was gonna title this sermon, actually, You Are Not a Jug of Milk. I, I, I have a lot of good sermon ideas all the time. And, 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 and my titles are awesome. And so then I take them to the creative team and they veto them every single time. So this week I come and I say, hey, the sermon title is gonna be, you are not a jug of milk. And they say, no, it's not. Again. So they came up with some lame title like the restoration of Peter or something like that. Big whoop, you know? Between you and me, the real title of this sermon is You Are Not a Jug of Milk. You know what I mean? Like you open up your, uh, you open up your fridge and it says, what, September 12th. And you're like, uh, how did that happen? You know what I mean? Best before date, long gone, expired. That's how some of us feel like our lives are. You are not a jug of milk. So there's Peter and he's back at the... Sea of Galilee, 120 kilometers from Jerusalem. There's six disciples there with Peter. He says, hey... I'm going fishing. And they're like, we're in. 
Yeah, all night. Peter's heading out all night to go fishing. Six disciples are like, we'll come with. It's kind of an amazing little sideline to this. One of the reasons why Jesus called Peter, actually the same reason that Jesus called you, because you're incredibly gifted. God placed gifts inside of you. And one of the gifts that Peter had was the gift of leadership. And I just wonder if like Peter thought, well, I denied Jesus three times, you know, and so my gift is expired, it's over now. But obviously it's not because he says, I'm going fishing, and the boys are like, we're in, we're in. And so they head out. Have you ever met somebody like that, a natural born leader? They got the gift of leadership. One of the things that I love to do when I was teaching high school was to work with leaders. You walk up to a young man or young woman and say, you're a leader. And they'd almost never believe you. So then you'd have to prove it to them, you know? Go up to a grade 11 kid, hey, you're a leader. No, I'm not. No one listens to me. No one cares what I think. Hey, dude, like yesterday, you're in grade 11. Yesterday, right before lunch at homeroom, you said, I'm playing hopscotch today at lunch. And all the grade 11 students in the class said, hopscotch is so cool. Let's go play hopscotch. You're a leader. I had this kid in grade 12 played on my basketball team. We had 15 players on the basketball team that year. He was probably about the 14th best player. He was not built for basketball. He was extremely vertically challenged, okay? So basketball was not his thing, right? He was about the 14th best player. So just before our season started, we went away and we did a team building retreat. And we needed to pick a captain, you know? And so one of the exercises we used to do to pick a captain is we would ask the foxhole question, the foxhole question. Basically, it says this. If you were heading into battle and you had to pick three people on this team, that would be in your foxhole. In other words, another way to put that would be if you had to pick three guys on this team that you knew you would want to have your back, who would they be? So anyway, sit down with vertically challenged 14th best player on the team, you know? And I'm like, you're a leader. He's like, no, I'm not. Not really, I'm not. No one cares. I'm like, dude we did the foxhole question, 14 other players on the team. Every single one of them wanted you in their foxhole. You're a leader. So once you can prove it to them that they're a leader, then they'll often ask a question like this. Well, I never really asked for that, you know? What do I do with that leadership ability? And my answer is always the same, nothing. Just be you. The same God who gave you that gift of leadership created you. So just step into it. Just be yourself. That's all the world needs from you. Just be yourself. I would say that to every leader in here today, every leader watching online today, parenting is the most powerful leadership position on the planet right now. Easily. So I would say this to parents. You're a leader. Your kids care so much about what you think. They're watching you. They hang on your every word. And some of you look at me and go, well, I don't know. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good dad. It's kind of irrelevant. Here's what I know about you for sure, that you're the mom or you're the dad. You're the parent that God chose to raise those kids. You're the parent that God chose to raise that kid. So here's what I would say. Be yourself.
your true self, the person God created you to be. We live in a really, really noisy world. We live in a very tribal, conflicted world. And more than any other time in history, I think, you got so many forces that are trying to mold you into their image of you. I tell you, it's imperative. Every leader, every parent especially, it's imperative that you spend a little bit of time in silence every day. Man, if you can find five minutes, find five minutes. If you want to grab one of those seven-hour journals, grab one. If not, don't. But just spend some time every day saying, God, who am I? Who did you create me to be? And would you please give me the strength to step into it? Every leader, every Southside Kids volunteer, every teacher, every coach, every Southside youth leader, whatever leadership position you're in, I will tell you this, the most important thing that you will, I'm so sorry, man. Something broke, it sucks. We need like padding underneath the chair so that things don't break. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, leadership. So. The, 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 most, the most important thing that you're going to teach those people, it's not a PowerPoint presentation, right? It's not like a pep talk. It's not an inspirational speech. It's becoming who you were created to be. It's just being you. That's why I've said before, you know, that I think we grossly overestimate what we can accomplish in a day, the influence we can have in a day. I know as a younger leader, I, I sure used to. I would think to myself, man, if I give that guy this pep talk, if I give that young woman this pep talk, he's going to just utterly change the trajectory of their life. Didn't. We grossly overestimate what we can accomplish in a day. We grossly underestimate what we can accomplish in a life well lived. As who? Just as you. Just be you. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. The boys jump in. John chapter 21, starting at verse three. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus traveled 120 kilometers to meet with Peter that day. From Jerusalem to Galilee. Hmm. Makes me think, you know, maybe you've been kind of led to believe lately that God's given up on you. No, he hasn't. That God's lost track of you. No, he hasn't. That you've wandered so far that God can never find you. Oh, sure he can. Remember years ago I read this book. It wasn't an overly memorable book, but I do remember one line that's always stuck with me. It said this, God is a patient hunter. God is a patient hunter. His mercy and his grace and his love and his redemption, oh, they'll find you. You get that, right? Like, you can't out-sin the love of God. You can't outrun his mercy. You can't outrun his grace. You can't. He's right here and right now, and he's for you. Jesus called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Remember, they still don't know it's Jesus. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. It sounds real familiar, you know? 
That's the same exact miracle that Jesus did three years earlier when he was calling Peter the first time. Filled those same exact nets with fish. It's almost like when Jesus fills these nets with fish again, he's saying to Peter, hey, I called you three years ago because I believed in you. And today I'm calling you back because I still believe in you. What an incredibly kind thing for Jesus to do. I wonder what kindness Jesus has shown you today by bringing you here. If you're joining us online, maybe for you, it's it's a Southside feed that you've scrolled by over and over and over again, but for some reason you clicked on it today. It was his idea that you would join us. If you're here in person, maybe it's like a sign on South Sumas that you have passed dozens of times, but for some reason today you turned in. Maybe you saw an ad in the newspaper. Just kidding, we don't put ads in the newspaper. Is is there such thing as newspapers still? (laughs) Maybe a a friend or a family member invited you to church. There's something you should know, by the way. That was really, really hard. It was really difficult for them to invite you to church. We're going to talk a little bit more about this next week, but... There's a battle going on, a spiritual battle going on all around us in the world. It's a battle of light versus darkness, right? And when you step into this moment, Jesus is here, Jesus is light. He wants to light up your life, okay? But there's resistance in this world. There's powers of darkness that would prefer you to stay lost, to stay in the darkness. So what's funny is you say to yourself, I'm just going to invite this guy out to church. I'm just going to invite this young woman out to church or this older woman out to church, whatever. And you walk up, and it seems like such a great plan. And then just as, about your, just as, a, just as you're about to ask, it gets real hard. You're like, well, I don't know. Like, what if they say no? Like, does that mean they won't be my friend anymore? They'll reject me completely and utterly. And all these thoughts go into your head. And it becomes really, really difficult to ask them. So I know this. If you were invited to be here today, online or in person. I know that God told that person to invite you. What a kind thing for him to do. When they had fin- oh, sorry. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, that's pretty funny, right? Because that's how John refers to himself. Who are you, John? I'm the disciple Jesus loved. Sometimes I watch the music team, and I think to myself, man, if I could play the guitar like they play the guitar, I'd just walk around with a guitar all day, every day, 24-7. I'd, I'd have a guitar strapped to my back, you know? Just be walking down the street playing the guitar. You'd be like, hey, Mike, what are you doing? I'm a player, man. Players play. I'm playing the guitar. I'm a guitarist. Is that called a guitarist? I don't know. Sometimes I, I listen to them sing, you know? And I'm like, oh, man. Like, if I could sing like that, I would, I would sing all the time. Like, literally. I'd call you up. You'd say hello. And I'd say, hello. <laughs> it's me. You know, I've been wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet. Mike, we just talked earlier. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm a singer. You know how singers sing. You know how it goes, right? If I could shoot the basketball like Steph Curry, I'd just shoot the basketball all the time. Like, I'd, I'd set my office up right outside in the basketball court. As you walked in today, I would just be out there just putting up shots, you know what I mean? Just putting up shots, putting up shots. I'd be like, hey, man, good to see you, good to see you. Awesome sermon today, by the way, going to be incredible, just shooting. Haven't missed in 45 minutes, shoot or shoot, you know what I mean? That's what I do. 
If I was ripped, like some of the people on the safety team, I would definitely preach in a tank top, 100%. Thank you. Come up here, you know, October 1st. Man, it's balmy out, am I right? It's just like muggy. I just need to be freed up. I'm ripped, that's what I am. So what's John saying? Same thing. Hey man, who are you? I gotta tell you. Listen to this. No, no, it's crazy. This is insane. Jesus loves me. That's who I am. I was thinking about it last night. Do you think when John wrote this gospel, you know, finished John 20, and then said, ah, I gotta add one, John chapter 21. Do you think when he was done, he was thinking to himself, oh man, I hope they like it. I just hope they like it. I hope Mike Manis, a couple thousand years later in a place called Chili Whack, you know, I hope, I hope he just thinks it's great. I don't think so, you know? So I wanna tell you something about you, just like John, more than anything else that could ever define you, you are so loved. See, what, what John knew when he wrote this gospel was that his life is not lived for, his life is lived from. Let me explain. So you don't have to live your life for acceptance. You live your life from acceptance. You don't have to live your life for victory. You live your life from victory. You, you, you don't need to live your life for value. You live your life knowing that you are completely, utterly valuable because of the love of Jesus. Hey, so go out and win, man. If you're a shooter, shoot. If you're a singer, sing. I love it, I love it, I love it. But know this, you never ever have to live your life for anything anymore. Everything you do is from. So John's like, yo, Peter, it's Jesus. Peter jumps in, he's rattled, right? You can tell because he puts his coat on and then jumps in the water. It's kind of the opposite of the way it's supposed to be, but he's, he just wants to see Jesus. I think what Peter is probably thinking is this. Man, I've seen him twice since he was resurrected. And I never got a chance to just like have that conversation with him and I wanna make it right. I wanna make it right. I wanna tell him, man, I'm sorry. I told you I wasn't gonna deny you, but I, but I did and I'm sorry. So he gets to the shore before the rest of the disciples and Jesus has prepared a moment. Much like this moment. He has breakfast for Peter, and when they're finished eating breakfast, they have a talk. And you know what Jesus doesn't say to Peter? Well, I knew it. I knew you were going to deny me. I told you, didn't I? I told you you were weak. I told you you were going to let me down. Come on, man. He doesn't say that. It's worth noting that Jesus speaks exclusively of the present and the future. The present and the future. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. present. Do you love me? 
I'm not 100% sure. It, it doesn't say in John chapter 21 that Peter ever got a chance to get to his apology. All I read here is that Jesus kept asking a question that pertains to the present. Do you love me? That's it. That's the question. See, one thing I know about you, Jesus loves you. But the question that you need to answer in your life today that we all need to answer in our lives every day is do you love him? Hey, you might not know everything about him, but do you know enough to know you love him? What's the present question? Hey, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's go make a difference. Let's go feed a desperately hungry world together, Peter. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. How many times has Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Three times. Is that because Jesus wants to rub Peter's nose in the denial? No, I think Jesus wants to be really, really clear. Hey, Peter, you are past your past. Hey, Peter, you are past your past. Hey, Peter, you are past your past. Let's go. And just weeks after this story takes place in John chapter 21, Jesus ascends to heaven and he sends his Holy Spirit to empower and to lead all those who follow him. And you can just see it in the life of Peter. Holy Spirit fills him. Out of all the people that could have been chosen to preach the first sermon in the church age, it was Peter. He stands up and preaches on the day of Pentecost in a city called Jerusalem. And between 10 and 12,000 people put their faith in Jesus that day. Peter is a leader of the early church. He preaches, he evangelizes, he sees the message of Jesus spread far and wide. And then at 63 years old, Peter dies. And I guess for me, that's where the story gets really crazy. See, Peter just keeps traveling around telling people about Jesus over and over again. And the Roman authorities come to Peter and say, you gotta shut up, man. You gotta stop it. You gotta cut it out. And, and, and they arrest him and they throw him in jail and they beat him up and they threaten him over and over and over again. They're like, shut up. And Peter says, man, I, I denied Jesus once. I'm not gonna do it again. He keeps preaching. He keeps preaching. And finally they bring him in one last time and they're like, if you don't stop, we're gonna kill you. Remember what Peter said to Jesus at the Last Supper? I would die before I denied you. If you don't stop, we're gonna kill you. And Peter leaves and he just keeps preaching. So they haul him in and they say, well now we're gonna crucify you, Peter, just like we crucified Jesus. So they're making the preparations and Peter speaks up finally. Peter speaks up. He says, excuse me. And I'm sure the Roman officials looked at each other with knowing looks. Well, finally, he's gonna deny Jesus. Finally, he's gonna stop. Finally, he's gonna say, okay, okay, I quit. They say, yeah, Peter, what? He says, can you do me a favor? When you crucify me, can you crucify me upside down? Because I'm not worthy of being crucified the same way that Jesus was crucified. And that's how Peter died. He closed his eyes in this temporary reality and he opened his eyes in eternity. And I would suggest that the first person he saw was Jesus. 
And it would have been a really cool reunion, but obviously it wasn't, right? Because Jesus looked at Peter as he stepped into eternity and he said, well, you know what he said, right? He said, oh, you made it. You know, the whole denial thing kind of wrecked it for him. I'm surprised to see you here, Peter. Hmm. No, that's not how it went. Peter opened his eyes in eternity and he saw his best friend. His best friend. And in a moment, there was the joy beyond our ability to comprehend. Love beyond our ability to comprehend. Adventure, excitement. Anticipation beyond our ability to even comprehend. In that moment, I can say unequivocally, Peter is not a jug of milk because he knew in that moment with absolute certainty the best is yet to come. Let's pray. Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads. So here's my first question for you. Is today the day that you begin a relationship with Jesus? Everything that is needed for you to step into life, the life that you were meant to live today, tomorrow, and forever, Jesus has already done. He died for you so your sins could be forgiven so that you could get past your past completely and totally. He rose again to give you the strength to step into everything that you were meant to live. Jesus loves you so much. Everything that needed to be done was done. The next move is yours. So if today is the day that you say, yeah, Jesus, I don't know everything, but I know enough. Say, I believe, I believe. I wanna make you my savior. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed. Can you just raise your hand up nice and high right now because I wanna pray for you. If you're watching online, it's safe to do so. I would love if you could do it also. Okay, if your hand is up, you can put it down now. Just, I'm gonna pray out loud and I just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that before I even heard of you, you love me and you still do. I pray that you would give me a fresh start, a new beginning, wipe my slate clean. Thank you that you died for me to be my savior and thank you that you rose again I pray, Jesus, that you would give me the strength to step into everything that I was meant to step into today, tomorrow, and forever. And as this moment of reflection continues, if you can just keep your eyes closed and your head bowed, I wanna just talk to another group here today. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a while now, maybe a month, maybe a year, maybe decades and decades and decades. But the truth is, you need restoration. In a second, I'm gonna ask you to do something really courageous. I'm gonna actually ask you to stand up. I wanna describe to you what it might look like. It just might look like an overall lethargy. Stuff that you used to be so grateful for and so joyful about, you just don't feel anymore. Maybe it's a confusion. You used to feel like you just really heard God's voice, but now it feels like he's just really, really distant and you need restoration. Maybe it's just a slow fade kind of thing. You know, if you were completely honest, you'd say, man, there was a time that you read your Bible all the time, you, you prayed all the time, you, you came into gatherings like this all the time, but it, it's been a while and 
you just almost have this feeling like, and can I, can I even come back or has it been too long? The answer is yes, you can. Or maybe for you lately, you've been feeling really frustrated because temptations that you thought you had beaten have reared their ugly head in your life again. And you feel like you're being beat down by this barrage of temptations. What I wanna tell you is that we need Jesus as badly today as we ever have. Can I say that unequivocally? We need Jesus as badly today, as much today as we have ever needed him. And so life is a constant journey of restoration. So if that's you today, if you feel like, you know what, I've been following Jesus for a while, but I need a fresh vision, I need a fresh start, I need a fresh beginning, I'm gonna ask you right now to stand up so I can pray for you right now. If you're watching online and it's safe to do so, I'd love wherever you are to just stand up if that's you today. It's courageous and it's beautiful. And it's significant. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Jesus, we thank you that you are the beginning and the end. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we come to you today and we just ask for restoration. I pray for every single person standing up in this room, standing up online. Father, I just pray, Jesus, I just pray that the new life that we saw when you stepped out of that empty tomb would be as real as it ever has been for those who are standing right now. That you would give us strength and passion and gratitude and energy. Father, I pray for a return of just that sense of knowing that you are right with us. I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, against voices of the enemy that would tell us that we're defeated or we're expired or our best years are behind us. And I pray instead for your truth, your overwhelming truth to just mark our lives. And finally, Jesus, I just pray for this, that every single person standing right now would know, would know in a way that maybe they've never fully known before to this degree, that they are so incredibly loved. More than anything they can do, more than anything they can say, more than anything they've ever accomplished, what marks them, what makes them infinitely valuable is that you love them fully, completely, and unconditionally. And I pray with that knowledge and with that power that they would walk in victory. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. Have I told you lately that I love you? I love you. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.